Thank you, Pastor Mitch. Appreciate that. You know, I've told my, you can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. That's our text today, verse 1 to 8. I've told my wife a hundred times, hon, I sure wish I could sing. And I say that because I am so blessed by the worship leaders that are up here. And we say thank you to Bobby today. Would you thank him, please, for joining with us? What a, what a blessing my heart's been ministered to already. And I'm grateful. And I still wish I could sing. <laughs> but he had other things in my plans. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. The main thought of the text is this. Jesus gives a parable concerning the story of a widow, an unjust judge, prayer, faith, and the return of Jesus Christ. From our thoughts today, I want you to understand that prayer, faith, and faithfulness are the tenets, the markers, the characteristics of genuine faith in the last days. This setting is Christ's referencing the last days. C.H. Spurgeon said this, True prayer is neither a mere mental experience nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. What a privilege you as a believer have to enter with and dialogue with the creator of heaven and earth and this spiritual transaction occurs. The renowned Scottish minister, Andrew Bonar, said this, I should count the days not by what I have of new instances of usefulness, but by the times I have been enabled to pray in faith and to take hold upon God. Prayer should make time for itself. And I challenge you today, develop persistent prayer and cultivate faithful faith. That's really our text today, these eight verses. I've always loved this story, this short story that Jesus gives us, this parable. And I always thought it was just about this one thought, uh, being consistent, persistent in prayer. But it's really so much richer and has much more of it than that in it. To understand the text, you have to pick up the whole concept. Jesus is getting across. If you go back in your pages and have a red letter edition, you'll see in Luke 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, the majority of the words are the words of Jesus himself. He's speaking. So we look at the thought at the end of chapter 17 and what it has to do with the last days of Christ's return. And Jesus begins with a question from the Pharisees in verse 20 and then quickly transitions that to his own disciples in verse 22. Verse 20, he says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. That's a fascinating thought. Not in ways that can be observed. Verse 22, he says, and he said to the disciples, so he transitions to them, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And if you look at verse 21, sandwiched between 20 and 22, he said this, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And friend, 
The kingdom of God is in the midst of us today. Why is that? He lives within the believers. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, he's right here. That kingdom is at work, and he's at work through his children, through you. And we long to see him face to face. But his response is this, no, I have a job for you to do. You are my light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the kingdom of God. And then he transitions from there to telling us it will be just like in the days of Noah. Just like in the days of Lot, verse 25, verse 28. And he gets to when it's so terrible, like the days of Noah were. Like the days of Lot. And life is hard. And the culture all around you is wickedness. Full of evil. He says, let me tell you a story. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Hmm. When things are tough, when things are wicked, when you don't understand where in the world this world is going, and it looks so bleak, what's your response as a believer? Prayer. Prayer. And yet I find that so many Christians are too busy to pray, to discipline themselves to prayer. And Jesus uses a widow and a short story to tell you how to live in difficult times, especially before the return of Jesus Christ. Some overriding thoughts, two of them. The kingdom of God is not how you think it would appear. The Messiah at that time wasn't coming on the scene and rescuing them. They thought he would come, overthrow the Roman government, create world peace. And he assures them it's not how it would be. Rather, as wicked as the culture was in Noah's and Lot's day, it would be that way when he returns. And then to his disciples, Jesus clarifies the kingdom of God is among them. He's walking among them, and today he indwells the believer. So let me walk you through some of this in verse 1. First, let me read the text for you. Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. 
And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Verse 1, don't lose heart. Literally, don't lose your courage. Do not faint. It's an admonition that you need prayer each and every day in your life. You cannot go through your day as a believer and follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, and not enter into prayer, not enter into his sanctuary. Shame on you if you do that. You need to continually multiply hours of prayer for your time. When discouragement comes, you go to prayer. Are your prayers consistent and persistent? Have you stopped praying for a loved one to come to Christ? A wayward child? A broken relationship? What if it was just one more prayer and God was going to open that door? It isn't dependent on you, but your persistent prayers can move the heart of a just and loving God. And if an unjust judge would move on her behalf, Jesus is teaching us that a loving and just God will move on behalf of his children. So you must persistently pray. Verse 3, verse 3 states, And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Justice is the word to avenge. It's an imperative. She's demanding of him. We are told we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And you come boldly to the throne of grace when you're carrying a prayer, a promise from his word in prayer. And if an unjust judge would move on her behalf, scripture tells us to come boldly to that throne of grace. Not with your petty wants and desires, but you come boldly for vengeance and for acquittal. The word adversary there in verse 3 is a negated word for carrying justice out. It's negated, a negated compound word meaning not mine. It has nothing to do with me and what is right, so it's the opposite of carrying out justice, doing what is right. It's the one who is suffering because of wrongdoing. And in this world of sin... There are times you will suffer for wrong when you have done nothing wrong. Had this in my life. Comes from neighbors. Comes from coworkers. It can come from any avenue. And what's your response? So many times it's to dig in and hold your position, to react. And the response here is simply, Go to prayer. He will give vengeance and justice to his own. Verse 7 in the beginning of verse 8, God who is just and holy will speedily justify or avenge his children. He is patient over them. And I say this to you, some 140 years ago, people were in anguish and treated unfairly. The catacombs of Italy tell us this. The Reformation time period tells us this. The 20s and 60s in our nation, 
Many of us have lived through them. And God, if God wasn't patient and long-suffering for his own people, we would not be here today. We wouldn't even exist. But God gives his patience and vengeance, uh, avenges his own. God's patience is related to his sovereignty. And for us, those who are being saved, it's a good thing. It's not dependent on you. The end of verse 8, God's word says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I say this to you, faithful faith is an earmark of the true and genuine believers. What do I mean by faithful faith? Faith is taking God at his word. We believe his word. We trust his word. So when he tells us this promise, being faithful to it and continually asking and persistent, being persistent in prayer over that word that he's given us, that's being faithful with our faith. The elect, the disciples of Christ, those who are walking and living by faith, Scripture tells us the just, the justified, shall live by faith. We take God's word and we live by it. And faith is, I can't see it, but he says it. I will believe that and I will persistently, consistently pray that this will be done, that this will be so. And the fruit and evidence of a Christian hangs on the tree of their life. How many prayer requests, answered prayer requests, are hanging on the tree of your life? So allow me to share some truths and then two concluding thoughts with you. Number one, you live in a world of injustice. And this text tells us that. Here's a widow. It's already a tough life. And she's being wronged by an adversary. And the sooner you accept the fact that you live in a world of injustice you have a greater chance of conquering bitterness. Word of God says the rain falls on just and the unjust. You will be wronged. You will go through difficult trials, not of your own doing. You live there. We live there. Secondly, you know the just one. You live in a world of injustice, of injustice, but you know the just one. It's the greatest reason to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, today. If you do not know him as your personal Savior, I encourage you, come to him in prayer. Confess your sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, forgive me of my sin. I want you to lead my life, shepherd me.
And that's how we know the just one. He is just, righteous, and pure. Not one person walking this earth can say that. He proves it and has openly revealed it to us. And we get to know the only righteous, holy, just person that lives today. So you live in a world of injustice. You know the just one. Number three, the just one loves the justified and will justify the justified. Say that five times quickly. We have in verse 7 and 8 the known truth that God will avenge and give justice to his children. He says he will do it. God is God cannot lie. What a wonderful promise. When you are wronged by that person at school, by that coworker, by a boss, by a family member, you as a justified believer and follower of Christ, one who's been cleansed from your sin, the blood of Christ reigns over you. God will justify his own. It may not be in your time frame. It may not be how you think it should be. But God sees and God knows and God is just and he will justify the justified. He can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. He will avenge his own. Then you must utilize your faith. How do we do that? The same way this woman demonstrated it for us. We unceasingly ask. Do you know the scripture verse? Pray without ceasing. She is asking unceasingly. This is how you utilize your faith. You find a promise in the word of God. And you're going to hang on to that. And you're going to persistently pray that promise. For your situation. For your life. That's faith. And he asks, when I return, will I find faith on earth? Will he find those who are doing that? There are two parts to that. Number one, you have to know his word. So you have to be in it and find his promises for yourself. And number two, you have to consistently and persistently pray about it. And then you must affirmatively respond to the Lord's question. Faithful faith. Are you faithful in exuding, in utilizing, in asking and praying by faith to the one who hears So I have a simple outline of two points in conclusion. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, he's saying this to you today. He's relating information about the time toward the end of the age, just prior to his return. Don't you wish he was coming today? He may. 
And will he find faith? How should we live in this time? These two points are for the disciples and believers, the followers of Christ. And I tell you, if you are a a believer and disciple Jesus Christ, these two things must mark your life. They must earmark your life. If you are a follower of Christ. Number one, the manual for life is prayer. Your manual for this life that you're living today is prayer. You cannot, as a follower and believer in Jesus Christ, go through your day without prayer. He gives us a prescription for living in an unjust world. Pray. Consistently and persistently pray. Whatever injustice you may be living with, whatever injustice you may face, whatever injustice has been done to you, pray, keep asking, Take it to the Lord and don't stop. You may have been wronged in your marriage. And you aren't and didn't get what was promised to you at the altar. Pray. God can change a heart. You may have been wronged at work. You didn't get the deserved promotion or raise. Pray. Take it to his feet. You may have been scammed out of some money. Pray. The answer given here in these verses is that when you are treated unjustly, your response must always be to pray. The manual for life for the believer is prayer. I find believers are too busy for prayer, too occupied to prioritize prayer, too indifferent towards prayer. They just don't labor in prayer. And yet, prayer is The manual for life. When was the last time you just went and sat on your porch? You went out by the river, out by the lake, in your backyard, and you just looked up and you spent five minutes in prayer. When was the last time? Jesus said, pray. You ought always to pray. Prayer is work, and prayer is the work of the believer. You get that? Prayer is work. Listen, it's tough. I challenge you this week. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. You set aside 20 minutes one day this week, and you do nothing but prayer. But pray. I don't think many of us can do that. Every thought of the world's going to come through your mind. Oh, I didn't do that. And you're going to get up and go do it. <laughs> 20 minutes. Can you do that? Literally take 20 minutes and do nothing but just pray. Follow the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. You exalt Him. You ask for your daily bread. You ask forgiveness. 20 minutes. Prayer is work. 
And prayer is the work of the believer. You want to see something done and accomplished? Follow the manual for your believer's life. Pray. Secondly, the maintenance of faith is faithfulness. This is your greatest need. I'm going to tell you this, as I've told many people through my life. Your greatest need, your greatest accomplishment is to remain faithful. You can't quit. But so many followers or disciples or people who profess Christ have fallen by the wayside. No longer do they pray. No longer do they worship. No longer do they spend time in his word. And faithful faith is what he calls you to do. And it will be your greatest accomplishment. You can be the greatest athlete, the greatest singer, the greatest business person in the world. But if you are not faithful to the Lord and to your calling, you've failed. You've miserably failed. So imagine when you stand before the Lord and his nail-scarred hands held out to you. Why didn't you keep worshiping me? Why did you stop singing my songs? Why did you gather, stop gathering with my people? It's sobering to think, to think about. But the maintenance of faith is of utmost importance in the life of a believer. The question Jesus gives here at the end of the story is powerful. The end of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I believe that's rhetorical because he tells us the just shall live by faith. We who are justified will be calling on him, praying, following his promises, seeking his face. My greatest desire, and it always has been, is that my son and my daughter and my wife see me praying to God, hearing God's word, playing the songs of Jesus until my last breath. You know, if I can divert a minute, turn to, if you have a Bible, turn back to Psalm 118. I got this in my devotions one, one day. I want to share it with you because it was so powerful to me. And this is just free. This isn't with the sermon. Okay. Psalm 118. Look at verse 5. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. And then he, the psalmist goes on and declares what he did. The Lord's on my side. I will not fear. The Lord's is my helper. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust a man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord. He says it again. I was pushed hard, verse 13, so I was, I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now notice verse 15. This bless my heart. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. 
I was so blessed by that. In my house, my playlist are his songs. Can you say that? Are his songs on your playlist? I was so blessed. Gladness comes when we continue to just walk in his ways. When we seek first the kingdom of God. When he has preeminence in our life. And we have to be, as followers of Christ, committed to the end, full of faith. Faithful faith. Faith is taking God at his word. I find his word, I read it, I see it, I believe it, I apply it to my life. I can't see the end of it, where it's going to be or how he's going to do it, but I will faithfully pray his word in my life and in my circumstance. Faithful faith. He wants persistent prayer from you, and he wants faithful faith from you. Develop persistent prayer and cultivate faithful faith. How's that happen? You have to humble yourself. It's not about you. It's about him. Jack Miller said this. I love this quote. God's grace flows downhill to the low places, not uphill to the pompous and put-together places. Get down on your knees and you receive what you don't deserve. That's grace. That's grace. And you're practicing, you're being faithful to your faith. Because you take his promise, you're on your knees, you're asking persistently, and God will avenge his own. He will hear you, and he answers. Humble yourself. You can't do this life on your own. You need him. You need his promises. Jesus taught us a powerful two-pronged lesson. We received this lesson through a woman, a widow, who had an adversarial problem. And you are called to persistently pray and to faithfully perform by faith. Act upon your faith. So you take his promises. Say you're dealing with a situation that's just out of your and beyond your control. You pray, Lord, greater are you who is in me than he who is in the world. You found that promise, and you're praying that. Lord, you're greater than this. You can handle it. Lord, I need you. Going some path, Don't know where it's taken you. You pray, 
Lord, you promise, lo, I am with you always. Lord, be with me. You know, I don't know what's going to happen down the road here. Lord, I need you. I need your presence. Show yourself real and mighty. Uncertain about a direction? You pray. Trust in the Lord. Lord, I'm trusting you with all my heart. I can't understand this. But I ask you, Lord, direct my path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Afraid of a situation? Fearful of that test in school or that roommate or co-worker or classmate? You pray, Isaiah, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. You pray that. That's faith. That's knowing God's word, asking him to be that for you, and then you believe that he's going to do that. Facing a major health situation, you pray Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. How much do you know his word? Is it part of your life? Are you faithful with your faith? And persistently praying about it. The great lesson of faithfulness is do not lose heart. God will give justice. And the great lesson of prayer is always pray. Persistent in prayer. In 1942, a group of volunteers from the Army Air Corps signed onto a dangerous secret mission to conduct bombing raids under the command of Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle. One of the men, Sergeant Joe Mansky, was a mechanic and a gunner on the 5th B-25 to take off from the USS Hornet. The men completed their mission and they were on their way to a landing strip in China when they were confronted by tremendous headwinds that slowed their progress and depleted their fuel. Mansky knew that there was only one hope. In the back of the in the back of the Mitchell B two B twenty five bomber, Mansky got down on his knees and earnestly prayed. As he was praying, the winds began to shift direction, and what was a headwind slowly turned into a tailwind of about twenty five miles per hour. It began pushing the plane toward their landing site. According to Navy meteorologists, the kind of wind, this kind of wind never occurred in that region, and the crew made it to China. I don't know what you're facing, but I do know prayer's the manual for your life, and faith is what God calls you to do and to be faithful at your faith. How does all this apply to your life as the band comes? 
Number one, stop fretting over injustice. Injustice will cripple you, rob you of your joy, and it will stifle your growth. You live in a sinful world. All of us are cruelly treated or wronged. Pray and leave it with him. Second, have you stopped persistent prayer? You say, I haven't seen anything. Well, this woman was wearing him down. God tells us, come boldly to my throne. Don't stop praying. Number three, will you commit yourself to faithful faith? Find his promises. Pray them. Live by them. And then I add this. The average Bible-believing church today will have an abundance of women in comparison to the attendance of men. Ladies, your faith to our world, to your family, to our church is vital and is critical. I apologize for the lack of male spiritual leadership. We need men who will lead their homes, who will lead the church by faith. And maybe you're a guy here today and you say, you know, I want to be serious. I want that for my life. Seek out a pastor. Follow discipleship. Get involved. Be busy practicing your faith. And for all of us, your faith and your prayers are of great importance. May we be persistent and may we be faithful. If you need help or need prayer, we're here at the front. Come see us as the band sings. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we love you today. Pray that this short story will impact our life that we will be what you want us to be in this sinful world. May Jesus Christ be seen in us. Your incredible love has called us to it. You've called us out of this world to be your children. May that difference be noticeable and evident as we walk the walk of faith and persistent prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.